Welcome to the Live Greater View, a financial planning podcast produced by VLP Financial Advisors that discusses life, money, and perspective. We help clients live their best life at every stage through our VLP Live Greater partnership process. Thank you for tuning in. All right. Well, welcome. We have a great topic today and a great um, guest with us. We have Sharon Zanvaleski, CPA, local here in the Northern Virginia area. Um, thanks for joining us well, today. Well, thanks for having me. We're really excited. Um, and a topic we get a lot, right, Chris? And and Sharon, I'm sure you get lots of calls this time of year. But we're going to kind of dive into you know what we believe are some of the most important pieces of the recent tax law change and how they impact um, individuals, some businesses, and how we kind of see that shaping up for the f- financial future. Yeah, and of course, the, a lot of these changes came from laws that were passed really the last week of 2022, right at the last you know week of the year, these were slid um, into, into law. And we know that your firm does such a great job always thinking two to three steps ahead when things like this happen. So we just thought you'd be a great person to unpack a lot of this um, so we're excited to have you on the show today. Um, so really, when we think about taxes in general, a lot of people think, oh, it's always tax season. It's very seasonal. But we've worked with your firm for a while. And we know that that is not the case. It's actually it not a year-round thing. So let's just talk about tax planning as a process, how you think of that, about that 12 months out of the year. So right now, you're really starting the tax season. Because like you said, you want to do some tax planning. You want to see where everybody's at, where they're at at the end of October. You only have two months to go. What can you do in that two months to lower your tax, uh, defer the tax maybe to the following year? Is it better to do it now? Uh, what's the tax rates look like? Conversions? So tax, you, you, you want to do tax planning. You want to look at your future. The tax preparation is just, you know, taking the forms that everybody has given you, write it down on the tax return or the old writing down on the tax return, put it in the software now. Software just, you know, calculates it out for you. But that's tax preparation. That's looking at the past. You planning, you want to look at the future. You want to see what you have. What is the best strategy to get that money from this bucket to another bucket. Right, and do you break up the calendar at all outside of the obvious things for what needs to get done You know, year end? You just touched on some of those things. What are some of the other parts of the year where you say, hey, these are the boxes that clients should be checking throughout the year? So throughout the year, they want, I, I like to have my clients check in with me at least three times a year. Mm-hmm. Once after tax season, how is your January through April going? Uh, you want to see what your withholding is. That's one of the boxes because you're never going to get out of taxes, but you want to at least make sure that you don't have this huge bill at the end of the year. That's the good time to start adjusting for your withholding, doing estimated taxes. Oh, something happened. I've you know got a bonus. Make sure it's enough. You have folks who have RSUs at vest, mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that th- those folks are also doing the estimated payments. Um, so then, you know, you let the summer go by. Nobody likes to talk about taxes in the summer. Everybody's out enjoying themselves. As they should. As they should. Um, so August and September is whenever everybody starts going back to school. And, you know, I like for everybody to check in again. Is there, and the same thing over again. You know, where are you at? Let me see your year-to-date payroll check. I have a lot of people that check check in with me. I have some that don't. They, they kind of already know what they're looking for, what they have to do. But at the end of the year is whenever you want to do your checklist to make sure, are you putting enough into the 401k? Or do you mm-hmm. have it into traditional? Do you have it into the Roth? The f- those folks that have retired but haven't yet gotten to Social Security, should we 
start converting some of that stuff. So, it, and no two cases are the same. You can't do what your neighbor's doing, even though you live in the same neighborhood. Everybody's in their own tax situation. So, it, you know, the calendar, it, it, it's different for different folks. Yeah. And that's something we see all the time. We get all the time. So, I was talking to so and so, they said I should consider this. I go, well, that's great, but let's talk about your tax bracket compared to your neighbors or your mom or your sister, which is always an interesting conversation and um, a good reminder. Always. Yeah. Always. So great. So let's talk about some of the, let's let's move into some of the recent changes to the rules impacting retirement accounts and planning, which uh, Secure Act really made some things more interesting. Some stuff has gotten postponed, but Nonetheless, there were some changes thrown in there that have definitely impacted retirement planning and some thoughts on how we should plan for that and things to look at. Mm -hmm. So the RMDs, mm -hmm. as we all know, the, the dates keep everybody, the population's getting older. So, you know, it used to be 70 and a half, jumps up to 72, 73, 75. So that's what you really want to look at, too, is the RMDs. You want to make sure that... Um, and this is a good problem to have, as everybody always says, you always want to make sure that your RMDs aren't going to have you in a, in a higher bracket. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you want to try to keep it down to the lowest brackets that we know of now. Nobody ever knows what the tax brackets are going to change, but the RMDs, you want to take a look at those. If you think you're going to be in a higher bracket, it's a good time to convert. Yeah. So do those requirement distributions when you're in the lower bracket before you hit that 73 you that. which is the 2023 age yep right right so you want to you definitely want to do that because the roths are not the roth accounts retirement accounts don't go into that certain designated ones don't go into that calculation and it seems like that's been a goalpost that's continuously moved back i mean 2019 that was 70 and a half mm -hmm. then it bumped up to 72 now it was just recently bumped up to 73 and then if you're 63 or younger 75 so 75 big you know change just in a handful of years yeah yeah and i think that the the rmds have been moved back because people are staying employed longer mm -hmm. Two, a lot of people you know are working into their 70s 75 and then they're going to retire that could be part of the reason why they pulled this back you know we uh, none of us know um but you don't have to take the rmds if you are employed that is one thing out of your 401k but out of your, your 401k out of the iras you do yes. correct yep. yes yes so that is one thing um you want to make sure that your contributions you know are maxed out every year mm -hmm. or try to um once you hit 50 you're allowed to put in seventy five hundred dollars more into retire uh iras i mean 401k 401ks yeah yep. the iras is a a thousand dollars yeah simple plans are 75 so uh, you, if you go over 50, you want to uh, try to max those out as much as you can. Yep. Um, now, there is a rule on the horizon, and they push that back two years, uh, where the catch-up was supposed to go into a Roth. Yep. Um, but they push that back for two years. And that's based on if you make over a certain income limit, which is going to be in inflation based with a coal adjustment but right yeah. so that, that was a big 000. worry we that had was a big worry a lot of our plans have because the the big concern is just knowing even um some of the bigger sponsor plans they had tens of thousands of plans on the books that didn't even have a roth option so that was going to have to be added in so that is something down the horizon if you know 20 january 2026 if you make over i think the bovie was 145,000 145. now 
um, your ketchup would have to go into Roth, be mandatory. But you know, the, the beauty of making a roll and passing it is not everybody can administratively get there. So that's why it's been pushed down the road. Right, right. Yep. Um, so, you know, depending on what kind of plan you ha have, you, you definitely want to try to max that out. Um, and like I said, the, the biggest tax planning tool of those retirements is when to, when to start pulling it out, when you're in the lower brackets before, mm -hmm. you know, the RMDs hit and then it, it's, you know, it's not going to matter. And we've had lots of conversations. You and I, with clients retire early. They haven't started taking Social Security where we're either doing a Roth or we're saying take money out and live on that because, again, back to your – we're taking some out at zero, some at 10. Some, some yeah. at zero, some at 10. Correct. Yeah, and below. Correct. And how do you think this will impact the 10-year rule? Have you been – you know, do you have any thoughts on that, just the fact that all of a sudden now – people are required to take a beneficiary IRA out within 10 years. Can you just talk about that? Just because that's been a big change that we've seen recently also. And again, th that's the same with this 10 year rule. You mm -hmm. can't listen to what your neighbor says mm -hmm. yeah, because everybody's in their own t tax situation. And that could be a little tricky. You, you, you know, you inherit this IRA, let's say there's a hundred thousand in there. You can evenly take it out in the next 10 years, 10,000 a year, but in one year that you retire, that you're maybe want to uh, patch yourself over until you get to the RMDs, mm -hmm. you want to maybe defer that and take the whole hundred thousand in one year. So it's it, it that's going to be a case by case study of what you know what everybody should do for Got themselves. It. Got it. I think the yeah. biggest thing we see, you know, spouses can treat as their own, so then the ten year old doesn't apply. But anybody else, I think the biggest concern for us, and, and you're probably seeing this too, is people are retiring and those IRAs are meaningful numbers. These are now three, four million dollars. And if you have one child, two child, or whoever the beneficiary is on, if it's only a couple people, this is significant income. It, you know, it could be a couple hundred thousand a year. And if you are 45 or 50 in your peak earning years, you know, there's a lot to unpack in that scenario. Um, so that goes back to the planning of maybe doing some Roth conversions because that inheritance wouldn't be taxed. That would not be taxed. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And within um, some of the recent legislation, one of the things that we earmarked to talk about was just the updates to the rules around 529 plans. So something, especially that's come up, you know, I would say over the last handful of years in conversations with clients as well, what is college going to look like, you know, 15, uh, 20 years from now, if they have young children, and sometimes they're hesitant to really sock a lot of money away if they don't know what college is going to look like, if their children are going to go to school, that whole dynamic. Let's talk about the recent update to the 529 and just the rules around that. So, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, I'm always a day late and a dollar short. As soon as my kids were both done with college, they had a little bit left in their in their uh, 529, and, um, you know, we held on to it for a little bit, and we are like, go ahead, just cash it out. Mm -hmm. Three months later, here comes this roll. So, um, so you can roll the 529s into um, a Roth. Yep. Um, the lifetime limit is 35000 so and it also whatever you roll over every year so you have a couple years that you can do that um it has to go into your max the 6500 of max mm -hmm. so you gotta watch that too um so uh let me see my other notes here you gotta have make sure it's open for 15 years 
The 529. The 529 has to be open for 15 years, yes. And I don't know, if they've given guidance on the does the beneficiary have to be the one who funds the, the Roth? The beneficiary has to be the one who is the beneficiary on the Roth. And is, of the is 529. That, has it has to be, to be 15 years because the question is, I don't know if they've given guidance. Can they change that? I think the 15 years applies to the beneficiary. Oh. Yeah, the 15 is what's in the 529. So you can keep it open for the 15 years and roll the older money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the 15 years, yeah, there's that 15-year rule on the 529. So those who want to change the beneficiary back to themselves and do that, that's not going to work. That's not, not going to work. <laughs> right. That's right. Not gonna work. But, but you also got to keep in, 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 to, in the mind the compensation limits, too, because, you know, you can't put into a Roth. You have to do the backdoor Roth, mm-hmm. but you, uh, the compensation limits as well. Got it. I thought, um, you know, obviously the RMD adjustment, that's a, a big deal. But um, also that was just something that, you know, again, we earmarked and said, hey, this is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing. I wish I would have held off three more months, but, you know. <laughs> what can yeah. you do? And yeah. then, you know, in that, um, you know, in that thought, we talked about the catch-up increases as it relates to employer-sponsored plans. There's also been... Mm-hmm. Other updates there for some of the requirements for small business owners. Um, Sharon, I know you help a lot of those small businesses, and you can really speak to the dynamics of setting up the plan, just the importance of savings, and some of the recent rules around that. Um, which plans were they? Just for um, any just of for the retirement employer, for business? Right, just the provisions around the employer sponsored plans. So uh, we have an employee or employer uh, plan, and Actually, I love what you guys have done for us. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but there's so many different plans out there. There's a simple plan, the SEP plan, 401k. You can go to cash balance plan. Um, but you know, any of them, you you got you got to make them fit for your company. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that's going to be interesting is the catch up because everybody in our company is going to be 50 or over whenever that starts. Uh, I have a few people that don't use the Roth. Mm-hmm. They still do the IRA. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting on those changes. Yep. And then the automatic uh, enrollment oh. feature, that's something that we've talked about would be a great idea. They actually, you know, made some um, adjustments to that rule also. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So right now what you do with a 401k is you opt in. So they're going to make it automatic. Uh, the employer, right now the way it's written, the employer picks what plan that this person gets thrown into. Uh, it's automatically 3% or whatever the documents Dollar say, yep. actually. Um, 3% being the least amount. And they pick the plan, and you have to opt out. Yep. But I, th- I think it is good for everybody to, you know, I wish it wasn't automatic. I wish everybody would say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and. Yeah, but the studies show you have, to, when you have to do something, do it. right? Yeah, so that's that's part of the reason most of the plans we have, including yours, is auto and auto plan because we know that it's the le- it's the path of least resistance, um, and it's important, and that's really what the government's pushing, right? They they identify that there's this there's people who don't haven't saved enough money, and by having this auto enrollment feature in 401k plans, they're going to have these people now saving. Um, but a little bit too is you know some of the tax credits 
that these small business owners are going to get for having plans and being able to adopt in is another great tax credit. That is a great, I mean, it's not unlimited. You know, yep. there is limits to it of yep. the 5,000 and things like that. But that is a good thing for them to uh, start. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Good. Yep. Great. And, you know, when we think about other things, we talked about RMDs, the, the um, retirement plan impacts. There was a lot of language in these recent you know, tax law changes around clean energy, efficiency, that stuff has been around obviously for a while now, but they really, um, you know, increase those limits and some of the dollar amounts around those credits. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be a lifetime limit. So they've changed that, and now it's how much you can do annually. Okay. So there's that. Um, the the solar, the geothermal is now thirty percent. It's going to be phased down, you know, in a couple of years, but they've made it a little bit broader with that geothermal and uh, you know uh, the solar so that's good up till 2032 the new these mm -hmm. current rules so it's going to be every year it's an annual limit instead of a lifetime so limit. lifetime oh that's it that's good that that is good that is good and it's an annual you can buy solar in one year take 30 percent buy it in another year 30 percent oh. Um, the interesting thing about this one is you don't have to own a house. You can rent the house and you, yeah, really, and you buy the equipment, the solar equipment. Now the landlord can't buy it. You got to occupy the house, but the tenants can buy that and get that credit. That's an which, interesting caveat. I, I, you know, if, and I'm thinking that that somebody's nephew must be at a rent to buy type of yeah. thing, you know, so maybe that's, you know. <laughs> it but i thought that was interesting when i was reading through that yeah. I was like wow okay so let's talk about the clean vehicle credit and that has been as we're seeing more and more companies pushing to go electric um what does that credit look like and well it used to be the first two hundred thousand. i think that was the number two hundred thousand vehicles mm. got the credit um now tesla's back on of getting a credit um seventy five hundred dollars mm -hmm. you have to fit into the criteria um, for SUVs, vans, um, the pickup trucks, it's got the the MSRP has got to be eighty thousand or lower. Mm. Other cars are fifty five thousand and lower, but you get to seventy five hundred dollars. Um, interesting enough, on that one, you also can have used cars now, where you can buy a used EV, really, and get four thousand. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now starting in twenty twenty four. Um, you can get the EV and some of the dealers are going to take the $7,500. Some of them are going to give you the option of taking the $7,500 off of the price of the vehicle. Now that doesn't start until January 1st. And I actually had someone call me that, um, single mom yeah. works as a school teacher. She has three kids. So she, you know, files head of household and she gets her credit. Um, two of them are in college. And she doesn't really pay any tax. And remember, on a lot of these taxes, they're not refundable. Mm. So if you, you're you only getting it back if you owe tax. Got so it. she didn't owe tax. And she was going to go and buy an EV. And I said, you should wait till January. Because then they'll take it off the price of the car because that $7,500 doesn't mean anything. She wouldn't get a benefit. She wouldn't get a benefit right. to it. Interesting. Well, so that's so part of the tax, tax planning. planning on that. So. <laughs> Perfect example of good tax planning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about the conversion piece, which you know, helped us a lot with um, looking at client situations 
for whether that makes sense or not. I thought it would be good for us to spend a couple of minutes talking about tax scenario and scenario planning mm -hmm. that you've helped us with with clients. Let's just talk about really what goes into that process, um, common scenarios that you see, and just general thoughts around taking that piece from going from tax preparation to actually tax planning. And that's obviously where this scenario uh, would come into play. So I do have a scenario that's coming up. I have someone who's retired from the government. Um, they've been there for 40 years and he's going to turn 62 next year. So it's interesting because uh, this is a scenario where before he starts collecting Social Security and he hits the RMDs, he has some things in his retirement, the TSP. So we need to know his base. And, you know, whenever you do the plan, you want to know the base. What, what are you going to receive for pension? What are you, and interesting enough, they, he has a little bit of a um, add-on for Social Security until he re gets mm -hmm. to 62. Yep. So we're going to have that payoff. Uh, but you want to start at your base. You want to start, what are you going to be getting? What are What is your withholding going to be? And to be conservative, you usually want to start with a standard deduction because they can't go any lower than that. If they do itemize and have more written off, then that's great. Um, but we want to start with what we know and take the standard deduction, and then we start adding on. Okay, what if you convert forty thousand? What if you convert eighty thousand to stay under the certain tax rates? And you can de uh, develop all of these scenarios to see what, where, where is the, the price point? Right. Where are they going to opt out and say, "No, nah, I, I don't want to owe thirty thousand in tax. I want to keep it at twenty. Uh, kind of, th this is going to keep me under the tax bracket." So you want to start with what you know, and then start adding different options to it and a lot of things that we do and we talk about when we're going through this process um, with you which is great is if we don't do this and the rmd at age 73 is two hundred thousand dollars you're going to go from the well and only zero again, to sixty zero to sixty pretty quick yeah. <laughs> speaking of evs yeah <laughs> um, but that's part of the whole conversation and it's a little trickier when you have somebody who has a pension um, it's very tricky yeah. with the pension because they're already starting out at, at they're not starting out the lower bracket. They're not starting at zero. They're yeah. already at 12, so there's, 22. There's the tricky Never. part. Yeah. Um, in, in doing that conversion piece, you know, it's always great because we can go back and forth and, and um, I always love showing, okay, you know, here's, here we're at the top of the 22, here we're at the next top of the bracket and, and that's where we find their comfort or not so comfort level. <laughs> And they'll let you know, yeah. and they will let you know. Yeah, yeah. Because part of the process is you got to pay the tax on the Roth conversion, so we got to make sure that we have enough assets outside of the IRA to be able to do that to pay the tax. And yeah. you can't forget the state tax. Nope, we can't forget about the you state tax. You can't forget the state tax. I did that one time, and the lady's like, well, "You didn't tell me about that." No. <laughs> so you can't never forget the state unless you live in Nevada or Texas or something. Right. Like that. That's good advice. Yeah. So you know, we know there's a lot of things that can change here. And there's still a lot of things to be, you know, hashed out as, as you know, the years go on over the next handful of years here. But is, is there anything that you have in your mind that you say, Hey, this is what we're thinking about, or this might be the next big thing, either whether it's further changes to the code or just things that you're thinking about as we kind of navigate through the end of the quarter here into next year. What I think might be the next big thing, if I had to get my little crystal ball out, is I do I do think they're going to hone in a little bit more on these retirement accounts. Um, 
you know, I think that while you can put it in a traditional account right now, when you're in a higher tax bracket, I think you need to try to do that as much as you can and then convert it to a Roth later. Um, I think that they're going to, I think, I'm thinking that they're going to try to phase out to traditional because of this whole catch up once you're over the 50 and the mm. extra catch up you got to put into a Roth and then we're going to see later on where it's going to be well you got to split it 50-50 with the IRAs I mean with the 401ks and Some more tax re- tax uh, receipts now yes yeah yeah which is interesting so let's talk a little about that I mean you know we have this conversation we were just talking earlier about our uh, our kids and when they start you know, we both have kids now working in the adult world, as we like to call I it. I love new little taxpayers. New little taxpayers, <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, we we both encourage our kids to start with Roth because they're in a, typically in a lower tax bracket. Um, but as you alluded to, you know, when you're in your 50s and maybe you're in your high peak earning years, you know, you're more traditional, which leads to this opportunity for Roth later. But, um, you know, advice on, again, it can't do what your neighbor's doing because it all comes back to your tax comfort. But um, yeah, it's something we talk about with planning with clients anyway. Well, and with the kids, uh, the, the best thing about starting, they're young, they can make a lot of money on the Ross, as you guys know mm-hmm. from all your experience, but uh, or any investment, but they start young, they are used to paying the tax on what they're putting away. They can you know, live within that budget. It's kind of hard to teach somebody who's in the 60s to do that. Correct. So. Yeah. And the nice thing is, you know, if you look at traditional versus Roth, when you're growing that balance, the traditional, it's easy to say that part of that balance is the government's, right? Because you have to pay tax on it. And if you die, your your heirs, and especially if it's not your spouse, got 10 years to pay the tax on that amount versus if it's Roth, it's all yours because you've already paid the tax. And interesting enough on IRAs and 401ks, any kind of retirement plans, traditional types, one thing I do want to caution people on is you usually leave it to an individu- individual, and that's what you want to do is leave it to an individual. You'd, you'd never want to leave it to a trust. Yeah, we could talk about that. That's a painful That scenario. is very painful, and it's a higher tax rate. Well, not only that, yeah, let's talk about that. So how's the tax, the trust taxed? I mean, the trust tax is 100% of everything that comes in, and their their tax rates are higher than an individual. An individual, you have the zero, the 12, the 50. I mean, you know, it, it steps up. Right. There's the hit heavy right on right on the top. Yeah. Plus your state, you can't forget your state. But can't forget you know, the state. You're starting at thirty percent. Yeah. Not only that, on the trust, another from our perspective, a caveat that we didn't really see coming um, is that if the trustee is not the beneficiary, they now have to stay involved for the entire time period, and now you got trustee fees typically. So it, it's it's a challenging process. Um, in some cases, you can do a look through, but it's it's very complicated. It is very complicated. Yeah. Everybody thinks the trusts are the way to go, and it's you. There's that's why there's so many different trusts out there. There's complex trusts, uh, complex trusts, yeah. simple trusts. I mean, there's all kind. Yeah. So that's a great thing that. Yeah. So let's let's wrap up. But I want to walk through with you. I thought it would be fun. Uh, us going back and forth with a client on end of the our tax planning. Usually, we start in October, November. Um, we usually reach out. And we're all three, us, the client, you and I are on, us and you are on the email to the client. And we're starting to gather information. We want to know pay stubs, what withholdings they had. 
you look to us to say, what are we going to have? Capital gains. Capital gains. We can't forget that. Depends. Yeah, you cannot forget that. <laughs> yeah, because um, that goes in the piece. And then if they are of RMD age and are charitable, we talk about doing QCDs. Yeah. So when, talk about the pro of the QCD versus taking it and then doing the charitable directly. So the, the pro on it is you still get your standard deduction. Mm-hmm. And then the RMD amount, you can designate that to a charity. Now, it's nice that people donate to charities, but one of the things that I caution them about is giving $25 here, $25 there. If you're going to give to your church, give them all at once. That way it's just one check and it's, it's a... It's more meaningful. It it, it is more meaningful. And it's easier to track on you guys. And the accountant. When you do the listing. It is. But they get the standard deduction plus they get that amount for the RMD Mm -hmm. that they get they can deduct and they don't have to pay tax i mean they get the standard deduction plus if they do it after the fact it goes into where that standard deduction's at and i say standard deduction because a lot of times these people who are collecting rmds don't have enough to itemize and right. they do default to the standard deduction so it's sort of a wasted deduction for them if they don't do qcd and and you know they don't have to be rmd age it's actually still 70 and a half Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that I did not know. And the other one thing I'll touch on is the nice thing is it reduces AGI. It does. Because if if you do it again, AGI would be higher. And then that could impact your Medicare Part B um, premium. Uh, and some it can make some of the other deductions you just talked about go away. It, it can. Yeah. So we, we start having the conversation. We talk about gains and loss. We talk about QCDs. You always come in with the tax credits that we don't know about, <laughs> this, you know, the, the new role pop up mm-hmm. and or, hey, you know, they had solar. And I'm like, great, didn't know that. You know, um, but and so then we go through that process. And then if, if there is an opportunity to do a Roth conversion, for for example, or maybe we take some money out of the IRA because, you know, we've had clients who've had significant medical bills um, that we can then maybe they are going to be high in that higher deduction bracket. And they might be in a higher deduction. And that might be one of the scenarios where you want to file um, married filing separately. Mm-hmm. So I say married filing separately because you can uh, shift those medical expenses to the lower earner mm-hmm. in that case and get maybe get a higher deduction that way oh, as well. A, and something we've done with, um, especially I think this goes to that sandwich generation, where you have maybe your parents or spouse is in a nursing home. Now, not all of that nursing home is deductible. Not all of it, right? Right. But those that that portion that's deemed medical and, and the facility that you're in will give you that right. year end statement of how much is for living expenses, how much is for food, how much was for medical care. So you can use that as well. And that's that's an opportunity where we've had success of taking big chunks out of the IRA. Mm-hmm. And you can do that up until the end of the year to be able to do offset, some, take advantage Correct. of that. Correct. Yeah. Great. Correct. And what about um, the Tax you know, Cut and Jobs Act? That, you know, that has a lot of provisions that are set to expire in 2025. I thought it would be just good to get your thoughts on that and if there's any proactive you know, adjustments that clients should make ahead of some of those dates? Some of the bigger things are uh, the first one that is the tax increase. So everybody, everybody across the board, if this is sets to expire and it is supposed to in 1, 1, 20, what is this, 26, uh, everybody's taxes are going to go up 3 to 
just the brackets are going to default back to where they were at. So that is one thing that you want to take a look at and see where you're at in that sandwich generation mm -hmm. and see, should I pull more out now instead of waiting until 2026 and save myself 4%? Uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, 4%, but, you know, when, when it compounds, it's, it's a number. It's a number. It's a big number. Um, some of the other things that uh, set to expire or that's going to change is, is the catch-up. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the changes are around retirement. That's why earlier I said what I think is going to happen is they're going to phase uh, in they're gonna Roth. phase in the Roth, the yeah. Roth side. Yep. So I think what's the key and what I hear and what we we say all the time is you can only plan for what you know at the time. And and we just got to plan around what we know at the best at the information and the roles we have at the time. But I think the the biggest takeaway is that they're always ever changing. So always, you know, it's good to have a team that can work in your behalf and review and talk because things from our side, we might see things and you're going to see things and together we can hopefully say, uh, what about this? Or right. they have a carryover. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Carry of losses. Carry. I mean, we could go on. This could be an hour long <laughs> podcast. It, it, I know we don't really have could. enough time. I mean, taxes could go on for days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could go on for days. Yeah. But yeah. Great. Well, uh, thank you so much, Sharon. This has been awesome. We walked through a lot of these recent changes and very quickly. Um, I mean, you know, you really have to consult your own tax professional, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Great. And um, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just think this goes back. Thanks again, Sharon, for joining us today. It was great to have you on. Um, I think most of all, just reiterates how things are always ever changing and having a, a team who can help you analyze and, and make smart decisions when it comes to your taxing, tax planning and investments key. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. All right, so Sharon, thank you again for taking the time out for us today. And as always, uh, we just ask clients that are listening, if you found any value in our discussion today, please pass this along to family and friends. And please check out all of our content at vlpfa.com. And thanks again, Sharon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Greater View. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and recommend our podcast to family and friends. To learn more about VLP Financial Advisors, please check out our website at vlpfa.com. Thanks again. And now for our necessary disclosures. Securities and advisor services offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, a broker dealer and registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. The views stated in this podcast are not necessarily the opinion of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned. Due to the volatility with the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Past performance does not guarantee future results.